Welcome to Top of the Game with Javier Sade, where we talk to amazing people that are shaping the world. These lightning round talks explore what makes remarkable leaders tick. Thinkers and doers pushing humankind forward and at the top of their games. Impactful insights, global perspectives, valuable wisdom you can use every day in your life and work. This is Top of the Game. Enjoy today's episode. Here's Javier. Enrico Dubugras is one of the most accomplished entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley and the youngest self-made billionaire in the world added to the Forbes list in 2022. A true master, an entrepreneur who is now 28 years old and truly at the top of his game, a path that started when he was 12, at the age at which he started his first company. In his words, I started coding when I was 12. There was this game I wanted to play. It was like a paid game and my parents didn't want to pay. So I figured it out. I learned how to code and I could play for free. I've known Enrique for a number of years and in every conversation, I learned something new, including in this conversation. Enrique is the co-founder and co-CEO of Brex, the first of its kind corporate card for startups and small businesses valued at 10 billion. Born and raised in Brazil, he built a payments company called Pagarme, the Striper Brazil, that won the Microsoft Startup of the Year in 2014. He was 16 years old. And in three years, while he was still a teenager, the company had grown to process $1.5 billion in transaction volume. In the fall of 2016, Enrique sold the company, enrolled at Stanford, and after eight months dropped out to found Brex. How he met his co-founder, Pedro Francesi, is also the stuff of legend via Twitter argument in 2012. The heated discussion turned into a Skype call that started a long friendship. They founded Pagarme together, went to Stanford together, did Y Combinator together, and dropped out together to form Brex. The vision was and continues to be to reinvent the corporate credit card. He currently sits on the boards of Expedia and Mercado Libre and is an advisor at Instituto Alfa Lumen near his hometown. Enjoy this incredible conversation. Enrique, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, a pleasure for sure. And I have to say, uh, congratulations. I know you recently got married, so welcome to the club. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Re really happy to, uh, you know, uh, transition to this piece of my life. It is hopefully going to be a very long piece of your life because you got a lot of life ahead of you, which leads me to the kind of the first topic I want to talk about with you, Enrique. Um, very few people start companies. Very few people start multiple companies. Very even less than that companies that are valued at, you know, numbers with three commas. And you started really early, just Tell the audience, I mean, I know you, but tell the audience a little bit about your pathway from Brazil to kind of where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, my, my journey started, I started as a coder uh, when I was 12 because there was this game I wanted to play. It was a paid game and I figured out if I learned how to code, I could play it for free. So I kind of built this like a pirate version of the game um, that got really popular in Brazil, learned to code in Google until I got some legal notifications saying, I was breaking some sort of patents. I didn't know what patents were, but my <laughs> mom got super upset and told me to shut everything off. So that's kind of how I uh, I got into the um, uh, the whole kind of like entrepreneurial thing. Um, and uh, you know, from that point on, I, I I then found a guy on Facebook that was graduating from Stanford. I got obsessed into getting to Stanford, and he was starting a startup. So I worked for him for a year. That's how I got into startups, working for this guy. Mm -hmm. Then I left, tried to start my first education company that failed miserably, um, you know, and then I was getting into hackathons uh, and then I started my first kind of 
a real company back in uh, 2013 with Pedro, my co-founder. Uh, he was also a hacker programmer. We met over Twitter, basically fighting tax editors, Vim versus Emacs. That was like a payments business. And we we're just lucky to get into this payment space. How old uh, were you, Enrique? How old were you when you started that company in 13? I was, uh, you know, I was 16. <laughs> okay, keep going. Um, yeah, yeah, it was kind of like the stripe of Brazil. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, uh, and you know, that was the first company that was, we had some success, you know, it was like, we got to over 150 people, it was profitable, it had billions of TPV, you know, like, you know, tens of millions in revenue. And then we sold it, you know, if that was the stripe of Brazil, we sold it to like the square of Brazil, it's what like that is a company called Stone, it's a public mm -hmm. company in the US now. Mm -hmm. um, and we sold it because both of us got into Stanford and we had this really big decision ahead of us, which was, you know, we were these two kids in Brazil doing a payments thing, it was growing, it was doing really well. And there was all these geniuses in Silicon Valley, you know, like, are we these two Brazilian kids going to be able to make it there? Um, you know, in, in, in Silicon Valley with all these other people. And, mm -hmm. um, but we just had to take a shot. And we, so we sold the company um, and came to Stanford, uh, you know, for undergrad and dropped out after six months to start Brex um, and, and, and then went from there. But uh, it was, it was, you know, look, looking back, it seems like an obvious decision, but at the time it was actually like a pretty hard decision. I mean, if the audience's heads are not spinning with that story, I mean, when I was 12, I didn't know how to tie my shoes. <laughs> and you are starting companies, selling companies. At 16, you start another. You decide to sell it. Google went after. I mean, it's crazy. You're still a teenager. It's, it's remarkable. Um, and here you are at Brex. Um, and instead of having you describe Brex, I'm going to get to that in a second, Enrique, but um, in the context of what, what has been the biggest bank failure in U.S. history that affected not only the banking industry, but obviously all of the Silicon Valley ecosystem you were talking about, SVB, in March, we have something in common. One of the portfolio companies in, in my sphere had the most money inside of SVB that was circled with $3 billion dollars. And then you at the same time saw what I think was an opportunity mixed with a call to action. Can you describe a little bit how you decided to, okay, I'm doing this at this moment in time when the SVB thing happened? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, we were um, kind of like uh, frenemies of SVB for a while. They gave us our first loan, but we started competing them on the car business and then launch banking and, you know, we were kind of like a little bit competitive, but, you know, I, I, I don't think that, um, but we didn't do full banking, right? Like they had like customer deposit money into Brex and we just buy money market funds. We don't lend them out. We don't, we, we don't invest them. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, you know, it's, we just put them in like daily liquidity money market funds. And um, when the whole thing blew up, you know, like we were, you know, super shocked mm -hmm. um, that that could happen right like it seemed like such a powerful bank you know that was here for decades um and uh you know and, and we got so many customers telling us hey what do i do you know like i have to make payroll on monday and so we started getting to work to try to find a solution we came up with our payroll rounds and the fdic kind of stepped in and ended up being fine 
Um, but it was kind of like probably one of the craziest moments of my professional experience that weekend of uh, SUV. And um, it was uh, um, it, it was it was really crazy, you know, what happened. But I, I guess the lesson from from all of it is, you know, diversification mm-hmm. is important, right? Like I think I don't know if their circle probably had other banks as well, but. Um, I think it's important to know where your money is and understand what's happening with it. And I think that's the lesson that everyone took from that that weekend. I mean, it's interesting and paradoxical, right? Like banks are supposed to be very safe and sound. And then here we just talked about two entities, yours, a fintech company doing incredible things on one front and then Circle, a blockchain and crypto company, who had to, who dealt with that safety and soundness in a very different way, which leads me to kind of ask you, and you obviously saw something way back when, when you started Brex about, about where the future of finance is going, right? It's not about, um, you know, banking was invented 500 years ago and there's been marginal incremental changes to it. A lot of technology, arguably, yes, but the way people interact with money now is very different. So how do you see, you can talk about AI, you can talk about the current state of things, but how do you see the next 10, 20 years in financial services and banking? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, banking is obviously changing very, very quickly. And I think that, uh, you know, I think there's there's two pieces to it. I would say one piece is, you know, what I would call kind of like non-balance sheet banking, right? So this is like mm-hmm. money storage, investing, you know, like uh, payments, um, all these things, kind of operational transactional accounts. And, you know, I think that kind of experience, you know, is evolving massively. And it, it should look like... Um, you kind of more similar to what we have in all the other products in our life, mm-hmm. right? Where, mm-hmm. you know, it's just so easy and simple and powerful. Um, and, uh, but, but I think that like, you know, a huge part of banking is this, this balance sheet piece of banking, which is like actually taking, you know, risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I see that that piece is actually pretty similar to what it was, you know, like 50 years ago. And I think it's going to, you know, change, but not that much over the next 50 yep. years because, um, it is about, it's almost like investing, right? Like you're deciding to give a loan to an individual or to a company. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's real risk that, you know, you're taking. And I think it's a very important piece of banking that, you know, banks are really good at that I think is going to change, but not as much as kind of the operational transactional flow. Um, that's a good, that, that, that's actually a good breakdown. I'm going to take a, a little bit of a left turn here with you. Um, as I said, the conversation before, very few people achieve what you've achieved and let alone so young. And here you are, teenager, and now in your 20s, leading tons and tons of people, leadership. This question is about leadership. How, um, what have you found difficult? And you cannot answer, well, people, because yeah, people are very difficult. But how, how do you find having to travel such a steep curve to leading people? I think that the hardest part is mm-hmm. understanding where and how to spend your time. 
right? Mm-hmm. Because I think as a leader of you know a company that's doing well, you're able to hire people who are better than you in almost uh, every aspect, mm-hmm. um, you know, including like leadership, right? Like I think that um, you know there's people who have been managing and leading for much longer, you know, had like a lot of training and experience and mentorship from amazing people and um, you know, just a, a lot of hours applied doing it. And I think that the hardest part is understanding where's the best, what, what's the best way to spend your time? What are the things that you as a founder, in my mm-hmm. case, co-founder, co-CEO, mm-hmm. is uniquely positioned to do that, you know, you'll probably do better than everyone else. And what are the things that, you know, there's probably someone that's like better to do that than you and then, you know, delegate and giving up control there. Um, I think as, especially as company scales, you know, that gets particularly uh, mm-hmm. hard. It does. And yeah, you're right. If you have 10,000 reps, the person with 10,000 reps, whether the person with a thousand reps probably knows more tactically, but your job is to set vision, to hire people. Um, as you know, Enrique, these shows are fast clipped and, and short. This has been kind of a master class in entrepreneurship, finance, banking, fintech. I'd like to end the shows with uh, very simple and mundane questions because they paint the picture of people. Because at the end of the day, we're people. We are, we're born alone. We die alone. You know the story. Um, what do you do for fun? I'm um, I'm a big kite surfer and diver. I know you're a diver as well, so those are my uh, two favorite things. That is a good thing. What is your happy place? Is uh, you know probably walking in the morning with my now wife and dog. Um, you know, kind of like catching up on the previous day and exercising, and you know, kind of before the. I'm an early riser. I wake up at five ish, but not because like a hustle culture. You need to wake up at five. I just wake up. I I wish I could sleep one more. Um, you know, but uh, I walk up here in the morning, it's still dark, and usually I'm very chill and happy. It was part of my vows in the way. Well, I was gonna ask you if you were a morning person or a night person, but it sounds to me like you're probably both. Enrique, awesome to have you keep doing what you're doing. It's just remarkable your trajectory and the stuff you're doing and straddling the fence between the finance world and the technology world. So, thank you for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. For information and links about today's guests, check out the show notes and visit topofthegame-thepod.com. Your host, Javier Sade, the show Top of the Game. Thanks for listening.